You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and SJ Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello, everybody. I'm recording this in a hotel room in Manhattan shortly before the last sound check of the last show of our fall 2021 tour uh, at Liposan Rouge. This tour with Warriors and the Dirty Mill has been a beautiful return to a semblance of normalcy. Uh, touring was one of the first things to go and is currently one of the last things to come back. Touring the pandemic has been a novel and difficult experience with unforeseen problems and sometimes, you know, paralyzing clouds of uncertainty and dread. But, uh, and a big but, it has been beautiful and inspiring and I will never take it for granted again. It feels so goddamn good to be back. It is incredible to see how excited people are to be experiencing live music again. I'm wrapping up some writing about the entire experience, which I'll be posting at futurefriday.net. I have a lot that I would like to share with you about at-home rapid antigen testing and what it can mean for a future at home and play and work and tour and life and yada yada, as well as, you know, how we navigated this entire thing and, and what uh, it was like to be on tour. But yes, I would like to thank Warriors and the Dirty Mills so much for touring with us and for Roger Harvey for stepping in on the last couple of shows. Uh, here in the first in-person podcast in 18 months and the first multiple-person episode, my conversation with the Dirty Mill. Now this one's recording. Hell yeah, welcome. Hey, Welcome thanks. to the mall in, in downtown Philly. That's Hell where, yeah. That's where I've always wanted to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny, this was a dilapidated mall called The Gallery for so long, and it was just real shitty, and then it was closed for a couple of years, and then one day just opened up this. So is it called, are we in the fashion district, or do they just call the mall fashion district? They just district? call the mall the fashion district. That's funny. Okay. Yeah. yeah, there's not really a fashion district. It costs like <laughs> Walnut Street is just all where... There's every clothing store shop, which burned, basically, in June. So. Oh, wow. Dang, yeah. stuff's gone. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. People look flying Philly, though. We walked from Rittenhouse over here. So. Oh, it's fantastic. That's great. Um, lots of vibes. Lots of good vibes on the street. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. So this is uh, not only the first podcast I'm doing in person in 18 months, so thank you for being the first guest. I'm stoked. That's also the first I'm doing with multiple guests. Oh, sick. So, Hell, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it won't run off the rails and we just start screaming and talking <laughs> over each other. 
Uh, but you guys, came, <laughs> <laughs> you guys came to my house last night for a Halloween party. Hell yeah. Tour. It yeah, was the first did. time that we got to have people over because we moved in right before everything shut down. And it's also the first time that I had a couple beers in a while. And I'm hungover. So my first question to you guys is, what is your hangover cure? Um, sometimes exercise is actually very helpful. Sweating it out? But yeah. I, 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 like, give me a coffee and, like... I like this morning. I just got up and got a coffee, and then got like a, like a cart sandwich, like give, just a bacon, egg, and cheese. Nice roll. Let's go. Yeah, hell yeah. A bacon, egg, and cheese is the cure, but uh, I'm pretty sure cucumbers are the best natural source of electrolytes. So if you eat a cucumber first thing in the morning when you're hungover, doesn't matter if you throw it up right after. <laughs> As long as you take a half hour nap, you'll wake up and nothing happened. No it's shit. Amazing. That's the first that I've heard of that Cucumba. one. Cucumber. Pickles, yeah. which is, you know, like yeah. a processed cucumber. But yeah. Yeah. Luke, you got one? Just, yeah, just just working out and being quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've asked that to uh, that question to everybody who's been on the podcast so far, and I've gotten ones of, like, eat a raw tomato, somebody eating cucumber. I uh, heard about in Russia, you just um, eat. I think like pickled fish, mm-hmm. like sardines. Maybe that lives in the electrolyte realm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's something in there. Yeah, yeah there's something yeah. in there. <laughs> hey, it works for them. Hell yeah! I think half of it is just telling yourself it's gonna work. Yeah, yeah. 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 Confidence yeah. is like the yeah. other part. The yeah, will totally. to live is <laughs> yeah, is yeah. The best way to get. That's over. a really good point. The will to live. Like uh, I think exercise fits in that way. If you've proved yourself that you can do the exercise, then. Yeah, kind of like well, I already did the hardest thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, did some push-ups. That ought to that ought to just might subtract those twelve beers from last yeah. night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes I also find that you like do the exercise and you're like ah, oh, like while you're in it, you're like oh, this isn't so bad, and then like ten minutes after you stop, it comes raging back in, <laughs> twice as hard. Yeah, I like to put on a pair of dress shoes, so that you know will necessitate wearing nicer clothes. So it's kind of doing the psychological thing of upping yourself a little bit, and oh, everywhere see. you walk, it's like a click, like you have purpose, you know. Yeah, you're like you dress how you want to feel. Yeah, exactly. Dress how you want to feel. That's not what my grandma had in mind when she told me to dress for the job that you want to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hungover guy in yeah. some random city. Dress for the state of being you wish to have. Yeah, hell yeah. So this tour that we're doing is coming to an end. It's been awesome uh, to have you guys on so far. You're probably my favorite straight up like rock and roll band to watch live for sure uh the stage presence is incredible and i just want to ask how did you develop it like uh i know it seems like it just comes as second nature you do something over and over again and you just feel the music or whatever but you guys have a real like rapport with the crowd that is just incredible and just like the physicality and the amount of space that you guys take up is fantastic well, that's very kind of you to say. And uh, again, I'd like, just like to reciprocate. Thank you so much for taking us out Hell on this yeah. glorious Hell tour of the yeah. United Appreciate States of America, it. northeastern region uh, mostly. But uh, uh, I mean, we grew up on, uh, we're the first YouTube generation. So we grew sure. up on, we digested rock and roll through YouTube when the, the icon was actually like an old television. Like that's, yeah, totally. you know, and so we would just watch like the way that I got into music personally mostly was through i mean i heard nirvana and i saw the photos and all that stuff but the bands that i really really got into were the bands that i connected with visually and it was all bands that looked like they were having fun and it was like even though they there's a great pete townsend line never let the music stand in the way of the show (laughs) 
but I mean, watching like the kids are all right. That Who movie mm -hmm. really blew our minds, and you know, watching videos of like at the drive-in and the MC5, and people just doing cool showboaty shit on stage, and not really, you know. That's why I never got into Cream because they just stand there sure. and look at their goddamn fingers, and I just can't. I couldn't care less about what kind of a racket they're making if they're just all, you know. So I mean, what I think also just you know having fun is the most important thing. As as kind of cookie cutters that sounds, is you gotta you gotta have fun. You gotta you gotta you gotta try and. I think usually if you walk out into a crowd, you're you're playing to a crowd, and there's a few people that know you, but most people don't know you. You kind of have to form the momentum of how the whole thing's gonna go, and yeah. you know, you have to show from the very beginning that like we're gonna have a good time. You guys can come along with us and have a good time. We'll this will be a better time if we do this together rather than like you just watching us like try and nail every single note yeah absolutely and it's funny that you mentioned that it's almost like the equivalent of walking into the cafeteria and beating up the biggest guy the biggest yeah. Guy yeah 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 go out and show them i think i forget how you worded it exactly but show them that you're having a good time and bring them along with it it's funny when you play a show uh and maybe you guys experience this where the crowd is not coming along oh yeah you start to get like a uh, defensive in my own mind i'm like well it's obviously not my problem, yeah. my fault. It's their fault. They're it, wrong. And then uh, these people yeah. just have no taste. Yeah, people, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they must be boring. Yeah. No, it is the children who are wrong. Yeah. yeah, it makes us play harder though. Anytime I see people not moving, I, 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 I try and I, I pull at them. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. The key is to not get discouraged. No. Yeah. The w in the pre-COVID era, I still haven't figured out how we're gonna navigate this. But like, if people weren't moving, I would just leave the stage and s just start touching people's heads. <laughs> and I once hope you that's not lost, yeah, to the to the COVID paradigm. Shift, no, I right? hope not either. But once you start like fucking with people a little bit, then people loosen up. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's. As I said, our the the videos that blew our minds when we were kids were you know the Who knocking shit over and like laughing about it while they're playing, but also like dominating. And it was like, let's do our best to try and you know exude that spirit. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you mentioned so much of that stuff is imitation. So much of this, I think everything that everyone does is kind of like seeing what the people around them are doing or mimicking to some degree what somebody's doing. And I remember also, not so much on YouTube, but um, getting like videos from Gilman Street on eBay, like a VHS of Operation Ivy's last show or whatever and shit like that. And then mm -hmm. just seeing people climbing on top of each other, doing that, and then trying to mimic it with 50 people at like a VFW and then just <laughs> doing like a cargo yeah. pull over and over again. Well, if we just make it happen, it'll just yeah. manifest. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. Uh, I think you guys had a, a, a little bit of a beginning similar to ours. Like how did you, this is two, two-parter. One is when did you know this was what you were going to do? And the other is, how did you guys collectively decide that this is what you were going to do? That's a very good question. I mean, it's, I, I guess, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we ever, like, decided. But I remember one day. <laughs> we're just here. Yeah, we just, uh, we just, like, put our heads down and close our eyes. And here we are. Uh, but I don't know. No, in high school, like, Luke and I were playing with some other friends of ours and, like, doing covers and stuff. And this is in Hamilton? In Dundas, in Dundas, Ontario. Small little part of Hamilton, but like the Burbs. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was like, then Luke and I were the only ones who really wanted to do it. So he was like, you want to start this other band? And we just started jamming like Black Sabbath songs and then this one song that Luke had written. 
Uh, and then uh, just from there, it just kept rolling along. Yeah, I think, you know, there's certain also benchmarks of when we decided to, like, escalate things where you're, like, kind of forced to be at a crossroads where you're like, well, do we want to just, like, toot around uh, our locality or do we do we want to, like, you know, basically, you know, really go hard in this direction, which is, you know, thus closing these other doors of, you know, having a regular job and sure. all that stuff. But, I mean... Certainly, Sometimes I feel like it's a literal crossroads too. Like you have a, an employer who says, "If you go on the tour, you, you're fired." I've had that happen a few I mean, times. Every time just, it's like, "Okay, yeah, yeah. all right." <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can get a job at another Canadian Tire. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, there, there was there. I think we have to also credit bands like Pup, who were from our city, who they were the first band that we saw that. I mean, from a, from an ex, ex, exterior point of view, had a plan where we had a we had like probably you know in around two about 10 years ago now we had other bands around toronto that were just kind of, like there was a scene of bands but pup was the first band that i think we were friends with that was like okay well he we're gonna go play in the states now and that was like going to go play on another planet for us we yeah. we didn't have any concept of how that would go and single mothers as well um and then so we just like you know we just picked their brains we're like how do you do all this stuff because we're from uh as we said earlier dundas ontario canada which we just didn't really have anyone locally who i didn't really know anybody else that had toured outside of uh canada yeah Yeah. oh yeah like a lot of us figuring all this out was us being like oh you can you can just do that like oh you just email a guy (laughs) and then maybe be like yeah i can get you a show yeah, or you trade. Which I'm sure how is, that's how it is for other people. But. Yeah, totally. It's funny. This thing that we do uh, is lacking in a like a rigid institution. There's no like, yeah. apprenticeship program to be a band. No, you, know, no, you really just got to do it. Yeah. Some of the biggest artists, are, you always see, you can pinpoint something back that, that let them that way. They had access to a recording studio or they had their parents worked in the music industry. Something like that usually is there uh, loosely, but there's no, like you can't go to college for this and then get an apprenticeship with someone but it does loosely become an institution like you mentioned bands like pup open up doors in the area they introduce mm-hmm. you to people and the same thing happened for us with bands like the bouncing souls and gaslight anthem and stuff when we were coming up that just kind of was like hey partially take us under their wing but also like this is the person you talk to here this is the person you talk to there yeah it just makes itself yeah and it's kind of it's just a series of of those things and I think that what other what pe- it's I guess it's kind of true of almost any profession or any any job that is desirable to have like playing music is you know it's it's important to remember for the people on the outside that like nine decisions out of 10 are usually bad decisions, but you just have to keep going (laughs) basically the whole time. Not make it again. Yeah. I just try not to make the same mistake twice, but like, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. You're going to do a lot of, you're going to hit a lot of dead ends. Most of your emails won't be answered. Like you have to claw your way up and be kind and keep moving forward. And eventually, I mean, just eventually good things start happening if you work hard. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's funny, The I always joke about being a musician in a little bit of a self-deprecating way of how aloof you can be compared to like any other job or, or like followed passion where half the battle for a lot of bands is getting them to come to a show on time or like actually follow a schedule. It's yeah. like once you get past a lot of that, it kind of becomes easier in, in, in some regard. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Especially when you have people like help you. Exactly. <laughs> Just be like, hey, don't forget about that thing. 
you're like, oh, yeah, that's important. Oh, yeah, you mean that thing that I have to do or this will all fail? Yeah. (laughs) Or, like, when you're, like, you know, when you're, like, I can't remember this person's name. And someone's, like, that's this person. This is where they work. You're, like, oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Even that. Love it. Uh, I figured we could talk about music all day, but I know you guys have some passions and some things that really spark your curiosity outside of music. Uh, You guys are photographers, which is fantastic, and I'd love to talk about it. And I know you are really into... I don't want to say World War II history, but history. I love history for sure. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely twenty twentieth century big uh, big area of focus for me. But All right. uh, I like, you know, I like I I like ancient history too. Absolutely. What sparks it for the twentieth century for you? Um, when I was on the Warp tour, uh, I I brought this copy of uh, that William L. Shire, that American wrote this book because he was living in Berlin during the 30s and he, he wrote a book in 1960 called Rise and Fall wow. of the Third Reich and I read it and I was just like oh my god it's like the Lord of the Rings but it actually happened <laughs> and it's obviously it's a, you know the craziest worst thing that's ever happened but yeah. incredibly captivating then from there I just went back to like World War One and being like oh my god so like the world was just all these like crazy inbred kingdoms that collapsed and like I don't know it just it caught me at the right time where I was I needed something to pacify my mind sitting at those merch tables in those parking lots for hours just kind of languishing in the, the sun, sun and you know needed uh, we weren't selling much merch so I didn't <laughs> yeah. have uh, well, kids asked us if we had monster energy drink for sale yep or so, where the asking Alexandria tent was yeah we drink water out of a can that's branded yeah. as a monster energy drink yeah can. brilliant yeah. brilliant <laughs> but brilliant. horrible um, so anyways yeah just caught me at the right time for sure hell yeah uh, I also have a huge passion for mainly 20th century history especially because of how it applies to now how you yeah. can see these residual things constantly oh yeah yeah. and that's... some of the, the stories that, something I didn't really take into consideration until more recently is the personal stories of the people so I was always like I need to know like what was going on, uh, why it happened. I don't really care about the intricate players, you know, that were involved. But you start realizing that it really is stranger than fiction in a lot yeah. of regards. Like, some of these people's lives were so fucking extraordinary. Unreal. Right. Like, when you start to zoom in, yeah. Yeah. Like have a look. Yeah. Totally. And then you start to realize that there's people in your life that have some of these stories that, um, you know, you didn't get to... You would never have known if you didn't just, like, mention it in passing. When I first uh, moved to Philly, I worked at a restaurant called the Warsaw Cafe. And it was run by an 85, 86-year-old Polish woman who was put into... So a bunch of her family were killed by the Germans when they came in. And she was forced to be, I guess, for all, you know, ostensibly a slave to a German... Uh, officer, So she had to learn how to cook, and that's where she learned a bunch of German food and how to do that, and then took all that and brought it to the States, but had countless stories. And she would just mention them in passing while making pierogies on, like, a Sunday morning. Wow. You start to realize how close all that, all that shit is. Yeah, definitely. That's wild. Totally. It's definitely also all that stuff is an antidote to your own grumblings, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's uh, a perspective. That's, I think that's the thing, the most profound thing that I get out of it especially is just, a per, like, a complete perspective reset on – on the incredibly, you know, minuscule challenges that I fail or face, comparatively speaking, in my life. Um, You know, especially like, you know, going, 20th century history is captivating because we can ident, like the people can, um, we can relate to them. Their their universe is obviously very, very different than ours and their time, but we can... We can, you know, we some of them are still around. We can still talk to them. Yeah. Ancient history is much harder because it's just like, oh my god, like the Babylonians, damn, dude. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, but 
you know, it's it all lends itself to like, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm here at this time in this place uh, rather than there. Yeah, um, exactly. Oh, yeah. Uh, anytime I had a, a big medical issue this year and I was like, thank fucking God it's 2021. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Yeah. Man, has to be dead. The, uh, that's, that shit's always wild to put that into perspective. And a lot of the same institutions that existed during those things are around today. So mm-hmm. you can kind of just see, and there's so much information. So there's even film, you know, yeah, audio, there's like, you know, motion pictures. Color photography crazy. in a lot of like cases. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's nice to be, you can look around and be like, oh, this is how we got here. Yeah. It's super it's... weird. Speaking of color photography, so how did you guys spark your uh, photography interest? Like, where did that come from? Um, I've always been a, a big movie nerd, and uh, when, I, when I went away to school, my, my grandfather gave me his old film camera. He was like, I, I don't use this. I took it to Mexico once. Just take it. Do your thing. <laughs> and yeah. I shot my first role there uh, in the fall in New York City, and, uh, and when I got it back, I was like, oh, shit. Okay, I'm just going to keep doing this. And, yeah. And the ball just kept rolling, and, and when I moved back home, I kind of turned it into a business and i just i I love it so much i I, it's mostly film photography the the digital stuff is i like it but it's not as rewarding i like i like getting film back but yeah i've always just like appreciated cinematography and and all of my favorite directors were photographers before they started making films so um yeah i i think that was uh that was the translation there and yeah yeah, what about you, Kyle? Yeah, uh, like similar to you in, in a sense, uh, I didn't get gifted a camera or anything, but we were on tour in Europe, and it was my first time being in Europe, and I was in Hamburg, and I was like, you know, I should probably take pictures, <laughs> and I just went into like a shop in the Reaper Bond, and I was like, do you have disposable cameras? And he's like, yeah, so I just grabbed, I just like grabbed two, nice. and then I took pictures the whole time, and um you know, like you know, like Amanda Foats and sure, yeah, and like she commented, was like, "Hey, these are great," and I was like, "Oh, okay, uh, nice. <laughs> I'll take more photos." And then uh, my friend Yoshi uh, gave me uh, an Olympus point and shoot and was just like, "Here, have this." And then uh, then I was off and I just got hooked on it. Yeah, very cool. It's funny because everyone has a a powerful camera in their pocket now. You know, like uh, it's yeah. powerful enough to where you can document anything that you needed to document. It's not as good. It's not as good. No, you're, you're at a fixed l- aperture. You got software kind of backing it all up. That's why I always gripe to to, yeah. to my friends. But you can make stuff that looks really good and put it online and be really excited about yourself. And that led us to Instagram and mm-hmm. just oh, led yeah. us to. Well, I just feel the film. Hell, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all kinds of weird, twisted notions of our own egos. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah it is wild to have it. I, the reason I got into it is because my aunt was like hey do you have pictures from all these crazy places that you've been and i realized that most of them were grainy dark cell phone pictures inside of dressing rooms that all looked the same no matter where you were so i was like damn i should probably learn this and then realized same got a my hands on a camera and was like wow this is a whole new world it's why you mentioned the del- uh the reward because of the delayed you know gratification you get from film oh you yeah take so many pictures and then you have to wait so long before every you time you get them. film back it's like yeah. christmas and you're like oh. yeah it makes then, you uh take much more mindful photos yeah oh absolutely exactly. yeah. I, I always feel like i'm actually capturing something yeah because you're like imprinting it on like a physical totally medium weird chemical reaction yeah, yeah. i can't just sit there and go like okay yeah i have to be like oh i hope this is good nothing is worse than when you get a i get like viscerally upset when like i get a rollback and it's just like i feel like i just took shit photos i'll be like yeah fuck this yeah oh yeah 
the worst. You're like, I just spent all that money. Yeah. Why do I take? Why do I take photos? <laughs> Sometimes it like one photo makes the role though, and you're like, that. Would That's work. true. Yeah, but then you take time. You step back. You know, you open that folder later, and you're like, actually, you know what? These aren't that. These bad. are really yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Totally. Even if it's just documenting where you were then and remembering all the shit that you did at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I had a really fun process doing that because I, I did my first like photo zine this year. Oh, cool. And uh, over the pandemic, I just like chipped away at it and took like a like a Magnum photography course on photographic storytelling, which was really really fun. I learned a lot. That's what's Magnum photography. Uh, that's like um. Magnum is like a collective, so they they like Robert Kappa was part of Magnum. Cool, it's been around for a while, so it's just like they're just like like at the top, like in the upper echelon of nice. Like, so you can check it out online, and take the course if you wanted to. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, check it out online, and then they have like a store, so you can buy like official prints and yeah and stuff like that. There's a book that one of the photographers just put out, Jonas uh, Ben Bendixson or something like that. He did this wild photo project, but he faked all the photos. Amazing. Yeah. Love that. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, like he took the, he took all the photos, but all the people in it are fake. Oh, okay. So if you want to, it's like, uh, it's called the Book of Vellus. And he did it all in a town where um, it's, it's a really deep, like history. It's like all one theme for like faking stuff. So there's this town in Vellus, I think in uh, Norway where all the kids didn't have jobs because their industry shut down. So they um, made all the fake news. Like it's where a whole bunch of like fake news was produced. Oh, so they just started like doing all Facebook articles about, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the, their name Vellus because of these tablets that were found about this god called Vellus. Uh, and it's called the Book of Vellus, but then those tablets were also proven to be f- forgeries. <laughs> so it's like layers and layers and layers of like forgeries. And he just wanted to like do this whole thing and even all the words in it are like fabricated he just pumped a bunch of stuff into an AI yeah incredible but, but anyways magnum photography is great art. yeah and I made it to get back to what I was saying I went through all my photos and got a new appreciation for older photos that I had taken that's awesome Love yeah that. and uh, speaking of pandemic projects like that you guys put out a record uh, kudos to you that's like I know I had the conversation with lots of friends who had finished a record and was like do we put this out while we can't tour do we wait for it? And you guys uh, went for it. And I think that was a, a you know, a, especially for your fans, you know, very appreciative, fucking awesome. What was that experience like compared to regularly putting on a record? Well, it was definitely, uh, I'm really, really glad that we did do it because oh, yeah. um, it was something to do and to focus on. I, I will say that the people our peers that at least I know that like have been sitting on a record forever are not in a good state, at least with their both with all of them with their relationship with the record. And a lot of them, even with their, their relationship with their craft and existentially, uh, I think it, I think sitting on having sat on our first record for like a year and a half, like I won't do that ever again. I don't care if, if we, if we just have to put it up on SoundCloud or something, there's, we, uh, we just won't do that again. Um, so I think that what we basically decided was like, well, let's go for, a, you know, let's try, you know, let's try and see the opportunity here and the fact that obviously there's not going to be a lot of records released, yeah. especially in rock music, True. which is depending on touring. So, um, and then also let's double down on that sanity by like, uh, 
uh, releasing it on New Year's Day. So, um, I mean, we had a good long rollout. We were able to like capitalize on little windows within the pandemic where we could get together and make videos. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, we got it out. But I mean, most importantly for me, it was just being able to put it out so that I could immediately start writing songs again rather than like, um, you know, sitting on this record and like convincing myself, oh, I don't have to write songs because like we still have this record and then like letting all those chops deteriorate and like that, that, you know, that stuff to go away. So Absolutely. we just, we just finished the record and then like, I just immediately got my ass back in gear, Hell which, yeah. uh, which, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to imagine moving on from a record without having released it yet, you know? So yeah, it'd be a mind fuck. Yeah, it's all it's always a treat to get or like it's the it's the natural order of things and the the I think the the best case scenario to release a record at your peak enthusiasm for it rather than like beyond that where you've really kind of been like well, does it actually suck and all like gone to all that you know. Yeah. We didn't have any of that downtime or anything. We were just like let's just put this thing out and you know, I I'm very happy with the decision it paid off. Yeah, f- fuck yeah. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I kind of, well, I'm just smashing this table. I kind of feel that the reason that we wait so long after we write record, I mean, we write a record and then we wait, it doesn't come out for eight months on average, I would say. Yeah. Six to eight to 12 months. And I fucking hate that. I feel like it is some kind of leftover archaic idea or whatever from the music industry in the 80s and the 90s and the early aughts when you had physical records being sold and that was where their cash was coming from and all that. It just seems so bizarre to me to have something that is 100% digital that's going to be listened to 100% digitally and then sit and wait six to eight months to put it out. I just don't understand why we still do that. Yeah. You do interviews and shit and you do press, but how long does that take? Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, like, it's it's just... It's the whole thing is funny. Like, as you mentioned, like the um, even just the way that, you know, money is made and stuff and generated from music. It, it's not really like a ref, it, it doesn't really it's not reflected in our relationship with how we make records and how we release records. Exactly. Um, I think that the you know, the older that I've gotten, the more the less precious i feel about that stuff i think it's just like obviously like we make we all make our money from playing live right exactly. and so like you know you make the best records that you can you do do your best job and be happy with it but like it's not the thing that you should do your nut over like yeah. and in terms of like hey this is chris swinney formerly of the ataris and currently host of that one time on tour part of the sound talent media podcast network Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Well, this thing has to go perfect for this thing to go. You know, it's just like all and also like all of your favorite records have like mistakes and shit all all over them, too. It's never been easier to make a great sounding record. So you can make it with consumer electronics, you know, I think that uh, maybe it was Billie Eilish is a pop star. Yeah. Uh, Her record was recorded by like Billie Eilish's brother on Logic on like a MacBook Pro 
with like an SM57 or something like that. Yeah, and yeah. The majority of the record, not the whole thing, but it just goes to show you can. We've been in studios where we have like, and there's like some meme about it that's really funny. You have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of analog gear and all this stuff, and then it gets put out into a super compressed MP3 that someone listens to over the headphones that came with their phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or like off their computer. Yeah, exactly. or like whatever, just like off their laptop. laptop speakers. Yeah, like holding their phone up to their ear for the first ten seconds, like oh cool. Sounds good. Like, <laughs> I, I heard that her her brother actually just walked around the city and took voice memos of sounds happening and just inserted it into the record. That's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Super this- easy. So Super easy. easy to make music. So easy. And just waiting six months for, so you can get a proper schedule just seems so bizarre. And I yeah. think that a lot of newer artists, are they just release shit when they're done at the studio. Like I've seen people drop songs at like 1 a.m. that they were working on all day. And then just that goes to hundreds of millions of people. I love like, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. It does add in a little bit, I think, to like the fleeting nature of so much of the shit that we do. You know, when you start talking about music as like, the C word content instead of like a song or whatever. You're like, hey, you got to keep it rolling. Yeah, I definitely. guess that could get dangerous that way. But mm. well, that's always tough, right? Because it's like, when is there enough? The answer is there's never enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're always not doing enough. Everyone will tell you that like immediately. Exactly. But um, I don't know. I guess it's like, I think there's like um, kind of an old feeling that everything is so precious. Yeah. But, but with the internet and stuff, like, there, it's just. It's just gonna go yeah, and like fleeting. It's, it's up there and it's gone. So just you have to keep it rolling. Absolutely. And uh, you might as well just put it out because what are you being precious about? You're gonna release it eventually. Yeah. People are gonna like it or they're not gonna like it. That totally. that that results are not gonna change. And you can have a six month period and who knows what's gonna happen in that six months? You know, there might be three bands that sound just like you that all release this, the record on the same day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be a nightmare. It, right. Uh, Luke, you mentioned something that I wanted to jump back on about writing new music while you're waiting. Yeah. release the other music and I wonder if that ever gets it's, for me it's happened where it's gotten to the point where I started to treat writing music as work or as like something like a task that had to be done and mm-hmm. I'm not doing it for the sake of doing it because of that and I was wondering what is going on with you I've certainly psychologically when you're writing again after already writing well yeah I, I mean like honestly mo like I've definitely had long periods where I was just like, this fucking sucks. Like, I am not happy doing this. I am doing this because, like, we have to do this. And it's not so much of, like, a a feel. It's, it's just, like, it's just a psychological game with myself where it's, like, if I can, if I can just, like, relax and enjoy this, like, I'll make good shit. I know I can. Like, yeah. I know, like, I'm, I'm, I, but it's, it's, uh, it just becomes a thing where you're, especially if I let those kind of like those chops atrophies yeah. like, or atrophy, but like usually that like letting those chops atrophy is like, that just means that I'm just thinking too much, you know? Sure. And like the best, I get my best writing done when I'm just not thinking, like when I'm just doing where I'm just playing guitar and just being like, I like this. Here's the thing. I'm going to roll with this. I'm going to write some words. I'm going to do, I'm going to write a song. Boom. Like, 
Um, Pressure off. Yeah, my favorite songs I've ever written, though. I like I wrote really, really fast. I mean, like that's a bit biased too because like they're the most painless. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that. I never thought of it that way before because there is a romantic notion that great things come, good things take time. And sometimes, come once. yeah. I mean, it's a sometimes thing. It's not a rule. I think know? it's also just like an inherent bias, though, because it's just like it wasn't like pulling teeth and it didn't get revised and all that. You know, it's it's yeah. just yeah. like well, it's like those feelings, like you know, when you and you and I are like working on stuff and then like it all just comes together and we can just like smile at each other and be like yeah there it is yeah i love it's, that moment it's great it's when when something's like yeah and i uh, the the last bit i like during the pandemic like when i kind of got back to just working on stuff for us to play basically i started using garage band again which i haven't since i was like 16 yeah and i've really loved doing that like um i wrote a bunch of tunes because it was just like uh, what do I have to do today? Okay, well, um, I have to wake up, make a pot of coffee, put on my sweatpants, <laughs> eat an edible, and then just sit at the fucking computer with my fucking Les Paul until I can't do it anymore. And then it was just the best. Yeah. It was awesome. I loved it, honestly. Uh, I really enjoyed having a little bit of time off of like the cycle of what we've kind of been used to, which is basically like, you know, tour, 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 writing, writing, writing the whole time, record an album. And then like, I would just be like, all right, I'm done my job for a while. And then just like, we'd tour the hell out of that. And I'd have to like start from scratch yeah. again. But I've very, I've just learned the hard way now. It's just like, you just don't never stop writing. Yeah. Like, you just n never stop. Totally. Because also be like doing it this way, like having just got right back on it, made me really reconnect with like, I like this. I like this and it's inside me to determine whether, as you said, where whether, when it feels like a job and you're just like, I just gotta, I just gotta put the biscuit in the basket. Yeah. That mentality of like, I gotta get this task done to like, this is a cool riff. I like this riff, you yeah. know, like I wanna take this further. Like This riff exists in this moment where I am. Yeah, exactly. by all of the other parts of life. Yeah, exactly. And so I've, I've had more fun making music like after making fuck art than, than I have in a long time. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah. I love that. I wanted to zoom in a little bit on, you mentioned GarageBand quickly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so personally, I had this whole, we've been there, this big uh, studio set up at my house. I should have showed you guys last night, but uh, it's just like a desk with some monitors and I have like an interface and stuff. And I was always like, yeah, well, I have to use these plugins to get this thing going and do this. But over the last, since the beginning of this tour, actually, uh, I bought a little thing I could plug into my iPad. It's got a multi-connector on it. So you could put in a quarter inch or a microphone. So you could plug a guitar yeah. into it or a microphone. Yeah. And it plugs into an iPad and I downloaded GarageBand and I have not been this prolific with a simple thing that anybody listening to this can go and download if you have a Mac. I don't know if you could use it on a, a PC, but there's definitely something similar. But it's like the easiest multi-track recorder that you can have. And just plugging into that made it so easy. So I was wondering what your writing setup is like. Do you go right down a GarageBand, just keep it super easy? Recently, that's just what I've been doing. Yeah, I just like just just get my guitar and like have those like you know what i didn't even d download the extra drummers i use like the one drummer guy and i'm just like do this one do doots do 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 or like or the or the halftime version that's it that's yeah. like and then i just like i have you know i'll kind of play around on my acoustic and then 
but usually I'll just plug my guitar straight in with the headphones and just like start making things over it. And then like immediately after that, what I've realized is just like, just don't stop until it's basically until, until you really kind of feel like you've hit a wall. But um, like, especially with vocals, I find that if I, if I get too far away from like the original idea, it's a real pain in the ass to try and get myself back into trying to match the music with my voice yeah so i i really try and get the music and the vocals together in unison as much as possible but oh, yeah. a lot of the music like m like i'll get a, a basic idea that way but like most of the music comes together from like just responding to what kyle does on drums like oh, yeah. i'll bring in a riff or sometimes kyle's just playing drums a certain way i'm like that's sick and then i'll start playing over and then we'll, we'll yeah you know but like i mean all of all of uh you know my favorite my favorite music that we've done is is usually just from um it's from getting a good sound in the room rather than like okay listen up fuck faces i wrote this song we got to find all your places within it like yeah. i much much more prefer like doing it together in a way that the bass sounds are already great and yeah. then i can you know write the lyrics and the music on top of what Kyle's doing more or less because like that way honestly that way it just like it just it's just it's always more rocking that way oh totally I yeah. feel like you could bring it back to don't let the music get in the way of a good show yeah in the sense that the final product or the final incarnation of the song that you're working on is gonna be the most important it's going to be is when you're playing it in front of people. That's how you get paid. That's yeah. like what the you know the most fun thing is. That's like how you keep moving. So, so many times where Greg or myself will come up with something, GarageBand, Logic, Pro Tools, whatever. We bring like a not a finished song, but something that has a drum beat and shit behind it. It always is fully lacking the energy vibe and creative shit that everybody else brings to the table because yeah. we only do the good shit when it's in the room being mm -hmm. hashed out and, and you know everybody's good for processes some people we toured with well, talk a little shit we toured with a band that um will remain nameless where the person who's in charge of the band you know wrote everything on their own and one time they were in a fight backstage <laughs> and they said remember everyone is expendable and then like stormed off and we were like that's a horrible wow to your friends that's I don't wild. want to play in that band. <laughs> yeah, no way. Dude. <laughs> that's crazy. It's like working at Tim Hortons there. I always <laughs> think that's like a myth, but then I guess you just forget when you have like bands that are pretty communal. Yeah, totally. But it's not like that. So we've taken that and made it into a, a, an ironic mantra oftentimes when like things get too tense or something. Like, remember, everyone's Remember, everyone's expensive. Yeah. No matter how serious I'm going to make you a bunch of shirts that say that. Yeah. Remember. I'm yeah. Gonna, yeah. yeah, I'm going to steal. We're going to steal that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's, I mean, like, you know, that's the fu the funnest rock and roll. Like, rock and roll is like, it's a bunch of instruments together, you know, totally. rather than, I mean, the best sounding recordings and stuff and arrangements are, uh, it's when, you know, there's a, there's a good you know i hate the v word but a good vibe happening <laughs> and it's not trying to reverse engineer it is like a real challenge and you never quite even this doesn't matter how hard you work like songs all always in my experience and end up the best when you've got like 
a good stomping like verse groove all together even before even a word is written or something and it's just like okay this is sick i can just fucking dance on top of this with my voice this could be easy Hell but like yeah. rather than be like okay so it's a to c on my acoustic guitar like can you come up with <laughs> come up with some good shit man yeah. like it's it's really oh, yeah. it's it's I'm praying for you to save this song yeah exactly like this is a very forget you know it it, it <laughs> yeah. never it's we've done it all different ways but the best way the funnest way and the like is to make music that's designed to be played live you know oh yeah oh, for sure and that's the always the final test which was really interesting for us about fuck art is that we didn't really get to road test very much of it sure yeah. so it was actually kind of funny because uh, we felt like we had to learn the songs to play them live it was like saying wow, anger yeah yeah totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like Saint Anger. Yeah, the fuck cards are Saint Anger. Yeah, yeah, right. I still so that there's their documentary about that record, right? Or yeah, yeah some, some kind of monster. monster. Okay, so I, I've only watched. We've watched it on like the, you know on tour a couple times. We've been on at parties. I've never seen the whole thing, but I just love like hearing snippets of it from everyone. Oh, it's talk the best. You were obsessed with it. That. Seen it like ten times, I think. Yeah. So I expected everybody to leave it making fun of Metallica and being like, "What a bunch of chotes But everyone I've talked to is like, "Well, no, but." the end you're kind of like they, you can relate to everyone on like a deep level in some way yeah well, or I could be wrong they're going through it yeah. but at the you know maybe like the first time you're like what the hell is this because they're so intense and it's like a lot it's very raw but then once you get through it, you're like well they really put themselves out there and just like stood behind it yeah, and a lot of bands don't do that. Like, That's think true. about like talk shit on it. Before. Yeah, like anytime like I don't know a book comes out about Led Zeppelin, they'll be like, none of that happened. <laughs> and it's just like own it. Just, yeah, exactly. Just be like I don't know. It's like a genuine thing, and you don't really get that from a band at that level. Like I mean, Metallica's at the the like fucking top. Totally. And they're gonna be like, yeah, we're like broken pieces of shit. Sometimes humans, you know. Yeah, it's quite a story, and so much of. Uh, the lore and the idea of what we're doing even revolves around a story. Like, you know, our, of our hardcore fans want to know the story about the band and the bands and, like, what people are involved in and shit. And it's weird to me to think about how do you curate that, like, a true story of yourself, whether you're talking to you guys on a podcast or if you made a documentary or, like, what the answers to the questions that you give for interviews when a new record comes out and shit. It's just kind of weird. I always think of it as wanting to be ourselves the best that we can but you end up inevitably you know brendan kelly gave us really good advice one time he said that was the first time we were taking like promo pics for a magazine this is like i don't know 12 or 13 years ago or something and uh he was like don't somebody was holding something in the picture and he's like don't hold it because we'll always pick the one where you're holding the fucking rubber chicken and i was like oh yeah the journalists are always gonna pick out whatever's the not normal whatever is like could catch anything yeah like ooh what's the wacky one yeah <laughs> the fu- yeah oh he's holding the chicken he's the weird guy yeah the funniest like thing to me still is like and again it's just like it's part of my job I fully accept it but it's still every time just seems absurd to me where we'll put out a song and the press will hit me up for a quote about the song I'm like that's your fucking job. Like, I, I like, I, you can say it's shit, whatever you, but why do I have to be like, well, this is a song about, like, I don't know. Like, I, it's, it just strikes me as strange that this is like an ascent, like, this is part of, do you have to do that? Like, where you have to oh, give. Oh, yeah. So we we'll always try to either humor it and be like, okay, this is something about the song. Uh, but it, it's, I don't mind it at all when someone 
the song they've clearly done some thinking about it instead of being like you know how when you do an interview with somebody and they clearly have no idea yeah. about your like, band so how'd you guys start yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah so where'd the band Messengers, name come from yeah. uh, you guys are from <laughs> Chicago and we're like no that happens you know god bless the them but with the Germans a lot yeah. oh yeah. you just gotta start you just gotta start <laughs> fucking with those ones oh, oh yeah, yeah we've done we some. just started doing it in German interviews drunk yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's a good good policy. But yeah, we've done that. I really do respect when a journalist comes to the table with oh, yeah. something. We're if, like, hey, I noticed you said this in here. Is that a reference to this song? Or this is what this means to me. How do you think of it? And then you could have a conversation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But when people are like, hey, say something about this song. Uh, it's a song by our shit like that's I don't know it's starts in A I'm, I have no problem being our own like our own propaganda minister and yeah. saying uh, you know giving giving them something that is uh, you know fun and yeah but at the same time every time I just think about it I'm like this is just a, it, I just I I just this is a very strange uh way this works i don't know yeah strange dance yeah it's because you have to do it oh yeah (laughs) you can't just be like fuck you dude do your job dude because even saying fuck you do your job dude is a version of that that is yeah that's the quote yeah Yeah, that's the quote so (laughs) have i said uh your own propaganda minister i'm gonna take that yeah your own spin doctor that's cool yeah dude it's the the i don't know that's like there's obviously a lot of drawbacks of being in in a rock band in the 21st century but i will say that if you're willing to do it, you have a shitload and basically of just like ultimate control about every aspect of your presentation. It's just an extension of your of your band and yeah. that's cool. But you have to be willing to do more work. So here I am sitting complaining about this shit. But like at the same time, <laughs> it's great having just like total control over the whole thing. Sure. And, and then we kind of answered right it already. That's what I was wanting to ask was what is the story? You know, like, well, I, I get a vibe from you guys, you know, to use the, the dreaded V word, uh, a vibe of you guys in the story that you do tell when it comes to like public facing or social media kind of shit like that. But I wonder how much thought goes into it that you guys actually talk about it out loud or you just kind of roll with it. I think that a lot of what we're trying to do is just like, is, is trying to make each other laugh. Like with what we do, I think like, I think that we have extremely little tolerance for serious, like, uh, for like ultra ultra self serious rock music, like guitar yeah, music in twenty twenty one, that's for other bands for sure. Yeah, it's for other <laughs> bands, and we tried it. I think earlier on, we were just like, maybe we could be like this, and then I just like, I just my like the lyrics that I write are are not like that. I mean, and yeah. our, our just general who we are as people is we're the kids that blew things up in the woods, yeah. like you know, <laughs> we we now we make loud music too a little bit. Uh, that's it would be kind of fun to just be in a band that does have like a full theatrical kind of I don't know shtick I guess like what, if you're like in the Ghost or something yeah yeah like Ghost or I don't, know. I don't like their something. music but they have a crazy yeah just having that would be really funny I, can't I think get it's down some like theater school kid shit though some like <laughs> you know theater kids real like putting it out there oh yeah like uh, like the tubes yeah are you familiar with the tubes yeah, loosely yeah that that that's some mental stuff dude. Well, but speaking of blowing up shit in the woods, did you guys, so what was your, uh, we were talking about this the other night, so I gotta, I gotta bring it up. We have a funny story of a friend who, we used to make works bombs, chlorine bombs, like all the shit that was like accessible in the uh, anarchist cookbook. Nothing like, I'm not talking like gunpowder shit, I'm talking like you mix uh, 
the works, which was like a dollar store chemical that reacted with aluminum foil. So you'd close them up in a like a soda bottle and they would just explode and it would oh, be really fun. Sick. Uh, we had a friend recently, we were bringing the story back up. They would sink them in a public pool at nighttime. They would like climb the fence and like sink them down. So it'd be like, kaboom. And one day... <laughs> one of them didn't blow up and they're like ah oh, shit okay so they they left and the next morning the lifeguards came in they sent some kid down to get it and he like grabbed it and this is you know could have been really bad but they like put it out by a shed and then it ended up exploding like later and it was all over the news it oh, was wow. like a whole thing and they're like somebody is bombing the park and it was like no it was actually just somebody fucking around yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. damn we yeah, we <laughs> we did things of that ilk, but we we're much more softcore than like we we weren't we had people that we knew that were reading the anarchist cookbook and doing that shit but like they're all in jail now yeah, we were sure. more like that's, yeah that's a good point go to the doll go to the convenience store buy as many sparklers as you can like yeah take it out into the deep woods and yeah try yeah, yeah. blow up an yeah. action figure Stuff caps into stuff oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Roman buy candles lighter, buy lighter fluid and just light shit on that's fire. a crucial one by, yeah i feel like there's a a, a bridge directly from blowing up fireworks in the woods and setting things on fire to having an eight speaker guitar cabinet and playing chords really loud i, I think so there's yeah there's that kind of yeah. there is a direct line there was a couple incidents that brought us close close to our maker that i was like <laughs> you know what maybe let's just get further into this music thing because yeah. i really 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 scorched my hand with burning plastic at one point. Oh, no. And Jesus. There was, like, I, I emptied all the contents of a Roman candle out into a garbage can and threw, <laughs> threw a match in it. And then, like, I just woke up in the snow and I couldn't really see very well. Jesus and Christ. there was just, like, smoke coming off of my, my parka. And I'm like, <laughs> I felt like Kenny from South Park. And I'm like, let's stop this. Yeah. Um, you couldn't get enough, though, because you, you just put smoke bombs in your guitar. Yeah, I did that for a while. Oh, it it, it yeah. kind of stopped working. But, yeah, we just kind of... We just um, we mostly we we got out of the out of the um, the homemade fireworks game. Uh, yeah, <laughs> transitioned. We transitioned. <laughs> Made into, it out alive. Yeah, yeah. I also remember holding a firecracker that like went off just very close to my head, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I'm not very good at this. Is like, that one of those? I remember I found like my dad had all these random bottle rockets, yeah. and I just was like, I'm gonna take these, Love and that. you could like light it off the stick, and then just like whip it oh yeah stick it in a piece of pvc piping or something oh yeah we would do we would take like roman candles and tie it to a swing and then run like swing it yeah and then just everyone's got to run and dodge it <laughs> and like dude we'd put, put like cherry bombs in garbage cans just so just to see what would happen It'd yeah just be like smoke it was everywhere like three times as loud we had a guy uh, that would come around and he had like a spreadsheet that he printed out and you'd place an order Serious. of what you wanted and then he would drive down to like it was like our friend's dad's friend and he would drive down to the, like the Carolinas where all the big fireworks were legal and then just drive them back up and give them everybody at like a 100% markup or whatever that's so that's a good that's a good hustle good hustle yeah, good, yeah. Uh, good what do you do I sell fireworks to kids hustle. Yeah. Yeah. in my spare time wow I never really thought about that we were like 13 this yeah. was like a grown 40 year old man I sell explosives <laughs> yeah. to kids yeah. well just yeah. last year what was we, his name I we feel like filled was... a van with fireworks Hundreds of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, for the Doom Boy video. Dude, that was how, us how much coming fun back. was that? Oh, it was sick. It was awesome. Yeah, my dad found... My my dad's a mechanic, and a bunch of his friends, like, wreck, like, scrap cars. 
What does that mean? Uh, so oh, they'll they just like, like you salvage them. They'll salvage them. Yeah. Metal and shit. Cool. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They get drunk and tra- no. Uh, so they might. I was like, hey, do you think you can find us a caravan? And my dad's like, sure. And he found like the perfect one. So I'm like, cool. We just like fucked it up, and it was great. We took one of those um, big like square like hundred and whatever shot one. Yeah. We put like two of those in there inside and just so like awesome. lit it all off. And, and did you just go find a field? Uh, it's actually at my like a relative like a relative of mine's. They have like a they, uh, own the, oh, they cool. have like a big property. So we just did it all back there. I remember though. I like thought I was I th- like we had road flares going off. <laughs> One of them got the window so hot that the window exploded wow, on the van. But I went on the roof to light them and like light fireworks. But like the I couldn't get this one thing to light, and I just was inhaling road flare. And I th- and then I was like. Ugh! <laughs> so I definitely am going to get lung cancer from that. Some real random weird one. We were actually yeah. going to fire like kind of like a Civil War era cannon at the van, but the guy who owned it was too drunk to, to make the cannon work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I yeah. just pictured. Uh, it, it's probably for the best. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Probably for the best. Yeah, I think. Yeah, if it was, if it, if it, if it wasn't for that bottle of Jack Daniels, I think we would have all been on the news that night yeah. or the next day. Yeah. That I just keep picturing that viral video. It's like somebody's last ride. I think it's real far eastern Canada, and they have this guy super wasted, and they put him on like a go kart, and he. Go, takes it off of an enormous jump. And, uh, <laughs> oh, it's hard to describe. I've never so seen funny. this. Oh, man, I gotta look it up. I'm it's in. fucking hilarious. They just get this guy super wasted. He goes off of an, enor- an enormous jump. Like he's like 10, 12 feet in the air and then he just hits the ground. But I think uh, he was so drunk that his muscles had no chance of like tightening up. So he's like that. Like, you know, you don't get injured when you're super wasted because you can't tense up and you're just like a rag doll. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just, just like, go with the, the flow. Yeah. yeah. I think he was like, I'm away. perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to find that. Go-karts, not known for their suspension. <laughs> no. No, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, so any plans to blow anything up in the future? Always. Uh, probably, yeah. yeah. What do you guys have coming up uh, after this run with us? We've got some headlining shows. We got uh, <laughs> a few dates in Canada. And then we have some shows down here in the States, kind of in the same Northeast market. Hell yeah. And where's the best place to check out the dates? Uh, you can check that out on our Instagram, on our website, thedirtynill.com slash shows. <laughs> it's a perfect face. Yeah. No one can see what I'm doing. I'm like being very animated about it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys so very much for coming on. We're coming close to an hour. Uh, I really appreciate thank it. Thank you so much for having Thanks us for on. Having us. Uh, uh, the only it. second worst question I can think of w- that you get asked when you're doing like an album cycle or whatever, besides, you know, what does the song mean is this question. You have anything else to say? Yeah. Mm. Oh, I hate that. Mm. I, I hate. Is there anything that you'd like to say or um, you want to add anything? What? What's your favorite band? <laughs> just mm. the mispronounce of your band and then what's the best show you've ever played that's another one what are some crazy things that have happened on tour <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like well, i'm gonna get the dirt question. today and you're like right. uh got pretty drunk two nights ago yeah still feeling it probably get drunk tonight so i don't feel it anymore yeah mm-hmm. yeah just keep it going just keep, just keep, keep it going it until it comes to crashing down at the end yeah so, yeah I- <laughs> Until our significant others scrape us off the pavement <laughs> yeah. that we get dumped off at and, when the tour van opens. Yeah. And then have a have a serious conversation over a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, yeah. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. And I can't wait to finish out these shows with you guys. Oh, yeah. That's going to be so, so fun. Tom means the world, man. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for, Tom, for bringing us out. Hell yeah. 
And there we have a conversation with the Dirty Nil. Uh, the intro song is Not the Only One by The Chisel. The outro song is by Pat Breyer, uh, Queen Jesus. Um, thank you so much to Beth and Nanny for helping to produce the episode. And thank you so much to the Dirty Nil for coming on with me. And we'll see you next time. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.